Hello to this new episode of Fintech Scotland podcast. Now, in previous episode, we spoke about AI, wealth tech, crypto, and so on and so forth. Today's topic, however, is focused on the outcomes produced by those innovations. At Fintech Scotland, we've always said that fintech was a movement that drives better outcome for everyone. Another way of saying that, it's we believe it's a force for good. And when it comes to fintech for good, we have some great examples in Scotland. We're joined today by Eshel Quinn, co-founder and chief product officer at Sustainably. Hi, Eshel, how are you? Hi, good, good. How are you? Fantastic. Great to have you with us. Um, we're also joined by Duncan Coburn, founder and CEO at OneBanks. Duncan, great to have you with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Fabulous. And we're also extremely lucky to, to welcome Dominic Chalmers, Senior Lecturer at the University of Glasgow, Adam Smith Business School, and convener of the MSC Financial Technology. Dominic, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Eshel, Duncan, for, for our listeners who might not know your respective companies, could you maybe introduce them in a few words and tell us why you think they're a force for good? Yeah. Uh, shall I go first? Go for it. Yeah. Um, okay. So Sustainably was founded by myself and my co-founder, Laurel, who also happens to be my mother. Um, although I feel like I'm the mother most of the time. <laughs> so Sustainably kind of uh, originated from this idea of uh, what if you could do good wherever you were shopping. At the time I was working for uh, an ethical retail company and I was becoming really fixated on um, you know the things we were buying making sure that everything was kind of ethical and really became invested in you know living a really kind of sustainable life where you were quite aware of the supply chain and you know the impact that you were personally having um, but I guess the idea about sustainability is do good regardless of where you're shopping um you know regardless of the things you're buying you're also having a positive impact um and so that was you know 2016 way back when we didn't know much about open banking or you know the charity space or you know lots of things that came into play um on the technology side um we finally launched in the app stores um back in 2019 um and we have two products at the moment one is roundups um and one is called monthly happiness and the idea is that eventually sustainably will replace a multitude of kind of fragmented uh, point solutions for giving, which includes everything from corporate to event led to, you know, one off to bringing in the retailers you shop from. Um, and you can really kind of do good. Uh, uh, and it's kind of a no fee on your donations and it's going to be integrated into your daily life. So we're really kind of trying to disrupt a market that we see is quite fragmented at the moment. Um, so it's taken us a while to get here, but we're finally here. Fabulous and definitely highly relevant to, to the topic today. Uh, Duncan, do you want to go next? Sure. So One Banks is bringing in-person banking back to the high street. So we're harnessing the efficiencies of open banking technology, similar to iShield and Sustainably. Uh, and we're using this to facilitate everyday banking and offering a cost-effective ways for the banks to stay connected to their personal and SMEs, SME customers, so both individuals and small businesses. We're doing something radical, radically different and innovative in the retail market, banking market and using the latest technology and with a focus of financial inclusion, increasing digital adoption and create, creating a more sustainable framework for face-to-face -face banking going forward. 
we set up um, One Banks back in uh, December 2019. So it's been around 16, 17 months now that we've been going. And we've got our first kiosk up and running in Denny with more to come later this year. So in effect, to put it very briefly, it's a one-stop shop for banks. So anybody of any bank can come into a single location to do their everyday banking, whether that's speak to somebody about their uh, transactions, just view the different accounts, balances and transactions. They can do cash deposits, they can do cash withdrawals. Um, and we help them get signed up to online banking because especially during COVID, I mean, we recognise that people need people and a lot of people still rely on face-to-face -face interactions. And by having a physical touch point in communities, it gives people a reason to start the conversation, to get on that journey towards a more digital future. So to try and help bridge the gap between banking today and that shift towards a cashless future and a digital future to make sure that everybody's on that journey. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, thank you. And Dominic, the MSc in Financial Technology at the University of Glasgow is a fairly new program. Can, can you tell us a bit more about it and how you approach the topic of fintech not being only about the tech, but also a positive outcome uh, for, for citizens. Yeah, certainly. Um, so the FinTech, is, we're in our second year now, um, and it's a really, really interesting degree because what we've done is we've pulled in expertise from across the whole university. So we've got computer scientists, we've got um, people from the law school, we've got economists, we've got accounting and finance specialists, and we've also got people doing strategy and entrepreneurship. So, you know, it's quite unusual for us to have a degree that, that you know, let students experience all of those different aspects of a business. Um, where I think we're making um, quite a good impact is our students can choose three different pathways. So they can either choose to do an industry pathway, pathway a startup pathway, or a research pathway. Um, and that means that when students come on to the degree, you know, it's up to them once they start learning more about fintech, what career path they choose. Um, and the thing that excites me is that they have been, uh, they do a three month um, project over the summer. And one of those is the industry pathway. And that means that they can go out and work with all of the Scottish fintechs. Um, so they're uh -huh. placed in the company. And uh, one of them's actually working with ISO just now yeah. um, with Sustainably. So, you know, we are very interested in, in working with this, you know, startup space um, and helping these kind of smaller companies grow and scale. Um, and in terms of um, how we, approach fintech for good um, we take quite a critical approach um, and that's perhaps down to me being the, the convener of the degree so I'm a bit of a techno pessimist um, as um, Nicola and you probably know um, so I like to take quite a critical approach to technology um, while still recognising the good it can do so I think they get, they get quite a healthy dose of scepticism when they come in our degree Very good Now you know, COVID-19 has been an, and really is a game changer for society. And in your views, how has fintech helped or not helped, uh, Dominic, navigate those tough times? And um, how can it help with recovery, really? Um, well, I mean, in the short term, it's obviously been extremely useful because, um, you know, when things are digitized, it requires less face-to-face. Um, contact so you know even if if this had been 10 years ago this happened it's easy to see um, a lot more of the economy grinding to a halt because we didn't have so many uh, digital services 
Um, you know, that's why I was really quite interested to hear about one bank and, and the fact that they are still pushing for the the kind of touch point in the community because I think that is, is really important. Um, longer term, um, I, th I think it's perhaps a bit too early to say um, how it will help with the recovery. Certainly, there's lots and lots of investment going into into the fintech space, and there's lots and lots of startups. Um, so, you know, in two to three years' time, when we see you know, a lot of these companies going into Series A, it's inevitable that they're going to create quite a lot new jobs mm -hmm. in the finance space. I think. And how, just out of interest, like working with different companies in the industry, do you find fintechs being able to adapt a lot better than big companies? Because that's something that I think fintechs would be better at going forward in terms of being able to adapt their business models to to really help people. Because obviously circumstances have changed. People need different things. Everything's more transactions online. So uh, how have, like, sort of, how how's the university sort of, um, worked with big companies versus small companies and is, is the agility that makes it better and easier for fintechs to work going forward? Yeah, I mean, that, that's absolutely um, you know, what, what we see. I mean, I wouldn't want to... I think sometimes it's easy to fall into a trap of just assuming big companies aren't flexible and adaptable because, you know, when you look under the kind of hood of a lot of the big banks, you know, a lot of them have got some pretty kind of agile teams working in um, open banking and new products um, but I guess the strategy for a lot of the big banks is just to you know, eventually acquire a lot of the fintechs that are mm. doing innovative things um, so yeah, I, I guess my answer to that would be yes the fintechs are more nimble um, but equally sometimes being nimble comes at a price and you know mm -hmm. cash cash flow so, yeah. so it's you know swings, swings and roundabouts I think it's a balance isn't it mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say having been on a lot of banking accelerators, you would be surprised with the you know the teams that they have and the innovation that they have in the background. It's just, I guess they have a little bit more red tape, but they do have a lot more money and resources yeah. on their side. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think 10 years ago, I think um, we'd have been stuffed, the UK. Yeah. Um, everything's moved online and without contactless payments and things that you take for granted nowadays would really struggle throughout COVID. All like everything moving from physical to digital without having so many fintech solutions helping that transition, it would have been really difficult. And mm. um but yeah, as you said, One Banks is still pushing for physical touch points because we do believe that if there's not physical touch points, there's a risk that there's gonna be an even bigger digital divide as people who are already digitally savvy. Um, become even better and benefit more whereas I think there's 8% of the population that still can't access a mobile phone app so yeah. that portion of the population who throughout COVID have still not been able to get online are going to be even further behind the rest yeah. of society which is the biggest risk in my opinion and that's why having the physical touch point um, is really important and I mean throughout COVID people realise that people need people even if it is just for sanity's sake yeah. Um and having someone explain how something works, uh, which is completely different and new, helps with adoption. I mean, my granny would never, <laughs> she, she probably hates the word fintech generally because it's just something new. It's something for the millennials. It's, yeah. uh, but if I was to explain something to her, I think she'd be a lot more receptive to getting mm -hmm. behind it and understanding how it could actually benefit her. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just about to say, you made an interesting point about 
fintechs being innovation heavy but cash poor very often i mean especially when they start and i just had a question for eshel and duncan because being a fintech for good uh, is definitely not being a charity and i'm sure you've got some tight targets when it comes to revenue do, do you find that when you approach investors with your business model and and, and the kind of uh, outcome you're looking to produce for society being a force for good do you think investors are, are very responsive to that Duncan, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. And then it would be very interesting because I know you guys did crowdfunding, so how that sort of impacted it. But from my perspective, yeah. Um, yeah, investors have done very well, obviously, and therefore have got money to spend. All investments are come with risk. And therefore, I think more and more people are putting focus on um, fintech for good solutions so that not only are they investing in something, but they've also they've got the peace of mind that they're doing something that will benefit society. So I think yeah, I think fintech for good investments have gone up significantly recently as more and more investors have got more of a conscious and are investing in things that will benefit society. Um, mm-hmm. We are, as a business, commercially driven, um, but the reason we exist, and I think the reason a lot of fintechs exist are to try to plug holes in markets. So the main driver for one banks was there's a hell of a lot of people in society that still need mm-hmm. and want face-to-face banking open banking enables it to be a lot more sustainable. Um, I mean, banks cost a huge amount to run and doing it on a shared infrastructure basis makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the driver was the needs there for people and banks are closing, people are not being left behind. So that was the need. And then the sort of commercials fall into place after that. I mean, um, but I think it's important to recognise the fact that, yeah, we are, we were developed to be um, a um, the sort of fintech for good but with big market opportunities come um, good commercials as well yeah yeah I agree um, I think what's been interesting for us is seeing what categories investors put us in um, we are essentially kind of B2C with our uh, user facing app um, but then B2B with our charity portal and the service we provide for charities and B2B for our business platform, which we're currently in discovery with, uh, with a big kind of corporate at the moment. So, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, there is like kind of a, a focus on our revenue model being this software as a service for both businesses and charities. But then we also have this app. So, um you know there's a lot going on so sometimes it can be a little bit hard for investors to um put us in a category um but yeah to Duncan's point when we did uh crowdfunding at the beginning of this year uh end of last year beginning of this year it went really well um and I think that was a great way to kind of get our vision out there um and to build up that community of people that we can now go to um and kind of have them kind of follow us on this journey so I mean there is other ways of investment other than just kind of the more traditional sense which can really help you achieve some of those goals that you need to get to before you can do a kind of bigger kind of seed VC round yeah I think it's important for companies I think most companies that do well have got a good social purpose that they build out from um so yeah I think that definitely is an important foundation for any companies to succeed
Yeah. And I think more and more, like in today's climate, especially people are really looking for that from businesses and they kind of expect it. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, like for us, it's, it's, we can be revenue generating and then we can also be, you know, uh, having massive amounts of impact. That's the goal. Can I, can I ask you both a question? So uh, what I'm quite interested in at the moment is, um, I think a lot of companies in the fintech space are claiming uh, to do good. They're claiming the fintech for good um, banner when I perhaps maybe think they aren't. So an example might be, for example, um, Robinhood, the um, app in America that was used for supposedly democratising investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been reading some good um, write-ups on, on that whole episode. Um, and they essentially were able to offer free trades because they were use, using payment for order flow, which mm-hmm. is quite controversial. Um, and the actual app that they were using was, um, you know, they, they borrowed a lot of the kind of behavioural techniques from uh, gambling and betting apps. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how do you think it affects your businesses, which are both what, you know, what I would consider actual fintech for goods, with, you know, more predatory uh, products and services that are still wearing the cloak of democratising investment or, you know, kind of opening up markets. Do, do you feel that affects you at all? I think, um, I don't think it affects us. Um, I, don't, I don't speak for you, actually. I don't think it affects one banks anyway, because the way that we show that we're fintech for good is by having a product out there and people using it and people benefiting from it. Um, so the best thing that we can do to show that we are in that category is to show how people like it, people use it, and how it's helping people and how it's helping drive financial inclusion. Um, Aisha, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're, we only exist to kind of fill the gap and provide an actual service that people want. Um, I, I guess we are quite different in the sense that we are not, you know, because we are directly, you know, helping charities, I guess it's, we're not really anything within the realm of kind of gambling or anything relevant to that. So um, it is very kind of straightforward in that sense of doing good. Um, there's there's no real kind of grey area. And do, do you think cases like Robin Hood um, serve people to fintech generally or do you think it's now a big enough phenomenon to to write out any controversies i think what's interesting is like seeing the new companies that are coming up that are using fintech in different ways um i guess you know like the robin hoods and some of the bigger ones like yeah there is that kind of negative stigma but there's some really interesting smaller ones that are popping up that are using you know the tech in in ways that maybe people would not have thought before that are actually providing a service and a need for people. Um, Yeah, and I think the the definition of fintech is getting so wide that um, what used to be sort of fintech and categorising that with specific examples for good or for bad is becoming a lot more wide. And an example, one banks, I mean, we're trying to put the face on fintech to actually have a physical um, place where people can go and actually experience the latest and greatest technology. So we hope that that will help sort of inspire some trust within the word fintech and make people realise that it is here to stay. It is um, 
doing good and it's it's real yeah and just just to come back on the technology for a bit um even though i said i wouldn't at the start but both of your solutions are using open banking and do, do you think open banking is really accelerating the fintech for good movement with giving back control of data to to the people Mm. Yeah, I think it is. Um, absolutely, giving people more transparency with their finances is always going to help. Getting, allowing people to make better decisions, more informed decisions, um, is always sort of great in terms of the fintech for good movement. I think there's a huge amount still to do within open banking to make the most of it, especially from a payments perspective. Yeah. Um, to make a lot of the payment industry more sustainable, especially if you're trying to integrate that with the cash system that we're trying to do at the moment. Um, the one thing I would highlight is what I mentioned earlier is that there's still 8% of the population that can't access a mobile phone app. And if you compare that to 3% of the population who have um, accessed the open banking APIs, um, there's a massive disconnect. So I think yeah. there is work to be done in terms of actually helping people on that first step towards getting onto online banking because a prerequisite of open banking is you need online banking and yeah. there's still a huge number of people that don't have that. So while I do think there's a huge merit for open banking and the fintech for good movement in terms of making the most of data and what's available, yeah, there's still work to be done, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the bank's participation as well because, you know, there is still a little bit of kind of pushback in terms of the kind of user experience and and the kind of journeys that they all the individual banks have scoped out and you know the fact that people have to reconnect every 90 days you know there's still quite a lot of friction points with open banking that you know if you were to get someone who has never heard of open banking going through this for the first time it is a little bit foreign um it, there's there's definitely loads more that i think we could be doing to to make it more mainstream. But I guess my, my take on that would be is that I've not seen that many amazing use cases yet. Um, so I think sustainable is an amazing one. Um, and one bank as well, you know, I think that's a, a fantastic value proposition in order to get um, you know, underbanked people into the digital age. But some of the, the other kind of use cases that I've seen haven't been as compelling as I thought they would be. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me there's not been a huge rush mm. for people to sign up for products and services. Yeah, um, there's and, a lot of kind of money management type yeah. things going on which are tapping into the, the open banking space. Yeah. yeah, and I think COVID will help. I mean, loads of people have been doing tech for tech's sake. I mean, yes. it's a buzz. They're just doing things. I think COVID will help realign fintech's focus on consumer needs and what people want and need um, in society just now. So, and yeah, I, I completely agree with your comments that there aren't a huge number of use cases. And But I do believe that this is still the very early stages of open banking. Um and but another, yeah. still to do that, right? with regards to that, one of the things you know, open banking has been talked about as a way to to you know, kind of reduce inequality. Um, mm. That's something I definitely critique a little bit further because what what's the assumption that um, opening up financial transaction data is going to actually increase the likelihood of someone improving their finance? Um, my my worry is is that it might be a way for companies to discriminate even more even further. 
So, you know, people with, you know, poor finance and, you know, in poverty, they're not all of a sudden going to be able to um, present themselves in a more attractive way to banks um, and, you know, service providers. So, again, I think we need to treat this with a little bit of caution. Um, to me, a lot of these problems are structural. So, you know, there's no escaping the fact that inequality and poverty are down to government um, policy making. Um, and, and at the moment, it feels to me like the government are trying to, you know, they see fintech and they see all of the claims about democratising finance and, mm -hmm. you know, inequality. And that gives them a get-out-of-jail-free card for them to leave the problem to these fintech entrepreneurs. And they can do some great things, but fundamentally these issues are structural, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I don't think we should, you know, lose sight of that. Yeah, I completely agree. And also it's like, you know when legislation gets set there is still pushback from the banks and there is still you know like not meeting deadlines and you know there there is a lot of kind of uh very interesting open banking connection journeys that some of the banks have set you know that are mm -hmm. uh, not really the most user-friendly so it's a struggle it really is and there's you know we can come up with innovative ideas but we cannot fix like really kind of bigger institutional issues. Yeah. And just before we, we finish, I just wanted to ask you as an employer, is the fintech sector a force for good? And what, what I mean is, is the fintech sector diverse and inclusive enough? I think that comes back to the point that Dominic made earlier in terms of fintech's fantastic but you need to have some sort of structure associated with it so diversity of thought is really important um and trying to balance these great ideas that are moving super quick with some more um a, a good framework and control to help with cash flow and stuff like that and um but just coming back to your question i mean inclusion and diversity i think there's still work to be done to try to make it more inclusive um because there is quite a big knowledge. You need to have some sort of technical understanding to get into uh, FinTech, but I think as it becomes more established, companies, as they get bigger, will have better training programs and help with that sort of whole inclusivity piece. Mm -hmm. And I also think like, I mean, uh, Dominic, you'll be able to speak more on this, but it's like, it needs to be appealing, you know? Like y you've got students coming in who are choosing this. Um, you know, it needs to, to be, uh, kind of like human centered problems that people can actually see and understand like what the, the the kind of behavioral changes and the impact that they could have so it's not just some sort of very kind of hoity-toity um, you know uh, imagined thing that's in this corner like it, the more kind of real life examples that people see of fintech I think the more people will kind of recognize themselves in particular roles that they'd maybe not thought that they could be part of before. Um, so what, one of the things that I've been really happy about with the MSC Financial Technology is the diversity of um, the cohort that we've got. So we've got almost an equal gender split and we have done for two years. Um, and we've got people coming from, you know, a really quite interesting um, range of backgrounds. So we've had everything from former uh, journalists, historians, right through to former computer science, computer scientists, strategy, 
pure mathematics. So it's a really interesting mix, um, you know, a really interesting uh, range of countries people are coming from as well. Um, and hopefully that's a good sign that this is going to be more than, you know, a bunch of computing scientists or, you know, a particular type of person. Uh, so I'm quite optimistic about, about the, the future in that respect. Well, let's end on this positive note. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. I'd like to thank our guests, Eshel, Duncan and Dominic. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Um, I hope if you've listened to us today, you've enjoyed this as much as we have. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks.